0: Welcome to the Forest Educator Podcast. I'm Ricardo Sierra. Well, I'm here today with Sandy Reed. Sandy is a person that, if you have never heard of Sandy, you should have heard of her because she's an amazing educator. You know, she has a pedigree of accomplishments and Work and a body of work that she's done that is so impressive, Sandy. I'm just so happy you're here. I, I'll just stop and just say welcome to the podcast.
1: I am thrilled to be here and to be meeting you because I have seen your name cross my screen and social media and heard your name dropped by so many people. I think it's about time our paths crossed, don't you? That's right. Uh, That's right. Yeah, you've been this image out there for me for a long time, so this is awesome. Thank you.
0: I, I just would say that. It's so interesting to follow people's journey over time through social media and also through uh, friendships and acquaintances and everything. And at the same time, even though we can, you can peripherally know a lot of people, it's not until you actually dial in and say, "Hey, tell me about your story. How did it actually happen?" We can see what you're doing. It's awesome. How did you get here? And when you do that, there's just a lot that gets uncovered. So. For the sake of uncovering, I'm going to ask you, like, like, t- tell me a little bit about your story. Like, where, you know, where did you, uh, you know, grow up and where did you start learning about nature? And then sure, how did that evolve to all these cool things you've done?
1: Yeah. Um. My story, right? It, it's really yeah. cool that you ask that because it forces me to reflect and really and really think about it. And we don't do that very often, right? Right, right. So, um, and I knew this was coming up. So I started started reflecting. I'm like, do I have a story? You know, what is my story? Basically, I just kind of had a pretty normal normal background. I grew up in Ohio mm-hmm. and moved to a little town called Westerville, which is now not so little anymore. But basically, you know, I'm a typical suburban kid. So the house was built uh, in a corn, what used to be a cornfield. And I remember uh, hanging out in the backyard in the neighborhood. We played kick the can and ran around with neighborhood kids, went to your normal school, public schools. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting in the backyard saying, gee, I wish I had a tree because it was a cornfield. You know, (laughs) I wanted a tree big enough to sit under. That was my goal for years, just to have a tree big enough to sit under. Right. So I didn't have a lot of nature in my life. I really didn't, but I'm going to tell you something as I reflected, I realized, you know, going back through memories, right? I, I I had this memory of when I was in first grade and I went to a private school. So just did it for one year because then we Mm -hmm. moved and the private school didn't have a library. And I remember I was a big book reader then and always have been. My mom would threaten that my eyes would go blind before I was a teenager because I would read and I wouldn't turn the light on. I would just keep reading and read under the covers and and, uh, with a flashlight, right? And I remember one of my earliest memories is, is standing outside in a line waiting for a bus to pull up. And that was the rolling library. And I remember I couldn't wait, couldn't wait. It was my favorite day of the week. And I'd get on the bus and go down the aisles where the seats had been removed and there were books. And I remember picking a book that I have never forgotten. It changed my life, and it was called *The Boxcar Children*. Do you remember those books?
0: I, you know, vaguely, vaguely, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, you probably shouldn't, Ricardo, because I went back and looked at them uh, when I was an adult, and I'm like, I liked this, <laughs> but it's meant right. for little kids, Cringy, and it's about right? these yeah. little kids who ran away to the woods, and they they found an old boxcar and they lived in it, and they got their water from a stream, and they they ran around outdoors. And that was like a big thing for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, even as a little tiny kid, I loved and yearned for the woods and for survival and those skills. And I didn't have it though, as a kid, Mm -hmm. I had no nature in my life. So where does that come from? Is it something you're born with? Is it something you're exposed to? I think it's a little bit of our DNA. I think maybe it's a mix, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So I grew up and long story short, uh, when I was in high school, I became a science lab rat. You know, I I was adopted by the science teachers and they were amazing. They exposed me to birding and camping and uh, they took me on my first trip out of the country. First time I ever flew in a a plane was with my science teachers and went to the Bahamas And I got to take a marine biology course and I put my face in the water and I remember seeing fish and coral and and literally jumping out of the water. And I wanted to scream and go, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, there's a whole planet out there. Yeah, I kind of credit them to awakening me to the world beyond what I knew. And then it pretty much never stopped. I went to school and that that made me decide to become a science teacher in a public school. Where I would do the same thing for my students, take them camping and teach science and all about life and 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 birding and everything else that I could do. And then in the meantime, I just tried to learn. I traveled. I went to Outward Bound. I mm-hmm. went to Tom Brown School, took courses there. I spent time with the McPherson's in Kansas and did some primitive skills stuff. I did the Boulder Survival Course, BOSS, where yep. you go out. 20 some days, you know, so I was trying desperately to get more and read and read and read. And then one thing right. just kept leading to another.
0: Right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You know, what's so interesting to me is that science, when you say science teachers, um, yeah. I had a biology teacher in my high school. And, you know, when, you know, when you're sitting in there, I mean, I don't know, I think I was in like 10th grade. And he's going over, you know, the Krebs cycle, you know, and these like, you know, all these different kinds of terms that were completely foreign. And, you know, we had to bring in pond water and then look at it under the microscope with the amoebas and all the stuff that's going on in a drop of water. And he was the type of guy who could, if you just, if you just, if you didn't want to take a test, if he said there's going to be a test, all you had to do was ask him about bees and (laughs) that was the end like it would just be all of a sudden the bell would ring right Uh, Right, right. so we so everybody knew like the the little secrets to of course you know get out of get out of taking a test uh but yeah you know i would just sit there and go man i love learning and i love hearing what he's saying and he was so excited and and i my physics teacher was really excited Yeah, my chemistry teacher—he was called Doctor Death. He—I wasn't too excited. (laughs) He was not exciting. It was course. I think I passed with by one point or something. It was—I was horrible. Uh, But I'll tell you, like high school and elementary, like like earth skills, earth science teacher, science teachers all over the country are responsible for doing exactly that. Like. Like, I don't know if I mentioned that in like my, or, you know, like for it, what is a forest educator thing? I don't know if I specifically called that out, but man, I got to do it right now. Like they are incredible. I get, I used to get emails all the time from science teachers all over going, Hey, would you come out and do something with my school or class? they just, they're just fantastic people. and. i I love it so hey thank you for doing what you're doing
1: (laughs) i love doing what i do and i was really blessed to have them in my life and they were crazy science teachers they were crazy they were one was a uh specialist with snakes and i had to feed all the snakes you know and one was uh, really into botany and we would go out to the wetlands and he would be pulling plants and we'd be eating edibles in class you know right teacher a good teacher is simply a good teacher they're passionate. And they're going to connect you regardless of where they land, whether it's in a public school or, or outdoors in the woods. Just share your passion, right? And, That's right. That's and right. They will follow, right?
0: <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So you were. So you're in school. You're in. Uh. You're a teacher there, and then you, like you said, you also worked with Tom Brown, like going to go their going go to that school, like classes, and a few bushcraft and tracking and so forth. And so, tell me a little bit more about like how this uh, tracking aspect. For you really, yeah, well, root- I think it
1: started the same way it did for most folks, right? I remember I had just returned, I was in college, I just returned from an outward bound experience, and a friend of mine said, Hey, I just read this book. This guy, he sneaks up to bears and slaps him on the butt. And I was like, No way! <laughs> so he gave me the tracker, and that was life changing. I think that whether you, you know, love Tom or not, or agree with Tom or not, I think that it's, it's important to point out that that book. has been the stone for so many. And Mm. it was a stone for me. And I read it, and it made me realize what was possible, right? Right. So that did lead me to the school, and then led me other places. I never really returned for much, simply because he only offered standard courses in the summer. And that was it. And I'm a school teacher, you can't take any of the other courses. So that me in a good way to go other places and right. I, I, I did but I knew then that I wanted to track I wanted to connect and know the stories I just yearned for deeper nature connection mm-hmm. I knew enough to know that I didn't know enough
0: right. so
1: tracking seemed to be the doorway right yeah so right. that's that's what I started trying to do is trying to find a teacher I ended up working for a summer camp for like a dozen years and ran programs and was an instructor and did all the you know the standard things that you do at the summer camps bow drill fires and debris huts and nature awareness and bird language and and right. all those things. and trying again to find a really good teacher for tracking and I really wasn't able to do that until I came across tracker certification North America and the whole eval system right and that's when life changed and and really became pretty exciting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you were doing 12 years at like a bushcraft kind of su- like a nature-based summer summer camp, right?
1: Right. I had summers off. So I would take yeah. go out and instruct. And then I just started running those programs here in Ohio. Right. Uh, so we, you know, I was training camp staff and, and did some monthly programs and then just started doing stuff for, you know, anything from scouts to school groups to all on right. the side. Just yeah. Because I wanted that That that's fun. Right.
0: Absolutely. So you had like, what's nice about doing that. I, I mean, I, my, I'm a summer camp guy too. And what's nice about it is that there's no set curriculum. Like you don't have to refer to a syllabus or, you know, have anybody looking over your shoulder going like, Hey, did you, did you teach remedial uh, footprint identification? Or, <laughs> right. Know, this is going to be on the test or something like, right. So you can like, kind of just go with the flow a little bit and have a, some freedom. And that's kind of a nice way to go. So you've just got a tremendous amount of experience, both both teaching and leading these other alternative experiences too. Yeah,
1: I try to, uh, I I consider my life to be interwoven, and they benefit from both. So public school teaching has really taught me to be focused, to have a standard or a goal. And then how do I assess, how do I help every kid, every different individual kid or adult that I run across um, become a, you know, successful at a skill, because if I'm a good teacher, then when you, you know, take the test or you light the fire, right. Uh, They are successful at it. Um, But I don't want to rob them of the journey. And I want to make sure that they own the process. So it's their success and it's real. It's not fake. It's just not memorizing and regurgitation. How do we get them? So we honor their journey and they own it. So that's really the challenge in both worlds. And when you mm-hmm. take the test, it's really not even a test then. It's a celebration of what's been learned. And it's like, look at me. It's not something I'm going to necessarily fail. But if I do fail, it's just you really just doing the journey anyway. So right. that's, I, I see them as a mix. I really do.
0: Yeah, that, that's 100% true. And, and I know, um, yeah, public school really does train you to like you have to kind of have accountability somewhere so that's part of it is that yeah. you're you're kind of like linked to a larger into a you're plugged into a larger system uh in a way whereas when you're on a camp you could kind of do anything like i would okay. joke around with my students sometimes when they'd be like sitting around and they didn't seem to be too excited i'd just go you know, I could just call this Hawk Circle Ping Pong Camp if you want. Oh, we awesome could get some ping pong tables, if you want to do that, and they're like, "No, we want to learn fire making." I'm like, "All right, let's go." But yeah, it's it's nice to it's nice to have that. It's sometimes it can feel like it's limiting, being dra- you know dragged into that type of focus and standards and planning Candy and everything. Limiting, else. You know, yeah, right. let's
1: face it, right? It is still an organization. I've loved that journey, and I love the skills I've learned, and they've helped me then coordinate those classes in the summer and Mm -hmm. build on what I want to do in other places. So any organization has walls. So yeah, you're right. How do you break through those walls? And then that's something I've worked really hard to do. And uh, you know, you can't only do so much because there's so many other things that are being required of you in that role. And I I do yearn for that freedom outside Mm -hmm. those walls for sure.
0: Absolutely. So what's interesting is that, like, for example, when I took Tom Brown, some of his classes on tracking some advanced stuff, you know, a lot of it was just like, okay, you know, crawl down this deer track, deer trail and uh, follow this doe, you know, backtrack it for half a mile or whatever. And uh, remember to check for ticks or whatever it is. And but there was no, like there was a curriculum that he had in his mind, but it was really something where we just got set on different experiences and there really wasn't a lot of oversight in the sense of, you know, account like accountability. Whereas, like the tracker certification program, seems and I, which is something I haven't done, seems like something where they're actually saying, "All right, we're going to actually we know what these tracks are, and we know we want to now check to see what your work is, what you, you know, how what is your level of ability." And there, there is an actual accountability there which I think is amazing.
1: Yeah, it is. And that whole process, if you're into tracking, you know, I can't encourage you enough to take part in the cyber tracker evaluation process, which was created by Louis Luenberg and other trackers that he worked with in South Africa. So he co-founded that with many amazing trackers that uh, helped him through that journey. Right. but basically the process is fantastic and this is when I really you know after years and years and years and years and years and years trying to learn tracking on my own with or with a few other people it really changed everything for me because it's a beautiful thing you you go out for two days in the field and you're going to be asked you know 54 questions or whatever and you're gonna miss them yeah and what is really cool though it doesn't matter you you look at a track and you say wow i think this might be is it an otter track i don't know i'm not yeah. just guessing yeah, you know exactly. but they take you back and then the evaluators you know talks to everybody and says hey we got groundhog we got otter we got raccoon for this let's just talk and
0: yeah. they run
1: through the whole gamut of what everybody said And at the end of it, you understand why it's an auto track Mm
0: -hmm. and it's
1: like your mind just blows Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: it becomes a part of you on the inside of you. It's not like they just say wrong auto track. Everybody got, okay, correct your papers, you know, let's move on. And you don't know why. So by taking an eval at the end of two days, you come out of it a better tracker, a better person. You understand why something is what it is, not just what the answer is. And you find a community of people, of like-minded people that you can start hanging out with and you begin to teach each other. So it's a lot of fun and it did, it it really changed my life.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. It's hard to, to do tracking alone, in my opinion, Uh, to learn, to grow, like you can grow a certain amount because you're just out there, but it, it, it's there's a big advantage to having a team mm-hmm. or a group of of people that are either as good as you are or better who are also trained to like just question whatever assumption. So like if I say, yeah, oh look God, at that yes. deer track over there and they go, okay, well, I'm gonna like tell me why it's this or why is it that or, and I mean, we used to have the biggest fights <laughs> you know, in arguments, uh, right. doing, doing <laughs> in those classes, there'd always be somebody that would go, I don't see it. I don't see that tracks it. over there. And then, you know, we would just all be like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. And then, but, but then all of a sudden they would see it and it would be like, okay, it was totally worth it.
1: And that yeah. was me. I remember saying those very words. I can't see it. I can't see it. Yeah. And if that's where you are, that's okay. You have started yes. the journey in the right place that's and right. that will come. So yeah. So, yeah. It's uh it's a great it's a great process. And I should have mentioned too that when I was talking about that I was talking about track and sign
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: do want to mention that trailing is a big part together when you put them together that's what tracking is. It is identifying yeah. the footprints but it's also following the animal. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's even more fun quite frankly than the track and
0: sign. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. When you can start putting the whole picture together and develop all of those different skills. It's really interesting thinking about tracking because I, for a long time, I thought tracking was like something that was really difficult to get children motivated to do because oftentimes I would get them out in the woods and then I realized they don't, you know, I, we'd see a set of tracks and then I'd say, Hey, what do you think it is? And they would just go like moose, you know, uh wolf. Right. Bear, you know, like they just kind of blurt out, and and I realized they're not. They I thought they were messing with me, and then I realized they don't know that many animals. You know what I mean? Like, like they they're don't sure. know what a red back vole is, or they don't know a, a woodland jumping mouse, or they don't know uh, a grasshopper sparrow, or you know whatever. They don't
1: know a deer, Ricardo. I mean, yep. I've got public school kids I'm taking into the woods. And we had a deer run by and some kids were yelling deer and other kids were yelling wolf and other kids were yelling fox. You know, they don't know what's in their backyard.
0: That's true. That's true. And in upstate New York, it's not uncommon to have somebody from the city go up and then come back, you know, like, you know how they used to have like a deer attached tied to their bumper. And uh, there's always those stories of someone going like, I got a deer, but it's very small and it would be a fox or something like that, or... And everyone would be like, what are you talking about? That's not a deer. Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah, but that's kind of where we are, right?
0: If you don't know, you don't know.
1: Don't know, you don't know. That's right. Yeah, we're not just the kids, right?
0: No, no, that's true. Well, and, and, uh, you know, it's interesting, too, just thinking about, you know, like how how to get kids involved in it and get them excited. And I, I had to, like, really just go, all right you guys all need to learn a lot about animals and these are the animals that are right around us. So yeah, we're going to talk about mink and muskrats and, you know, it's just not going to be the standard things and animals that they all know. Mm -hmm. And you know, that, that just started to get them, hopefully a little bit curious, but.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I
1: had, I had that question too. Uh, I kept asking myself, I was frustrated. I would do a survey of all my students at the beginning of the year and what i what the data showed me was that literally only about one or two in a hundred would even know for sure what a Robin looked like. Cause so I would show pictures, you know, and, right. And I just was like, how am I going to get, how am I going to help them? How am I going to do it? And some of the ideas I came up with have worked pretty well. One is I started, I applied for a permit from the state to pick roadkill up mm-hmm. and uh, started on a taxidermy and I only do taxidermy collection of, ohio animals because they could tell me all about the rainforest and howler monkeys that's right uh, right. lions in africa and they could tell me all these incredible things but they had no idea what was in their own backyard what's in their own state so the taxidermy collection if anybody out there wants to do that it's not hard get yourself a permit find a nice taxidermist who will help you and uh that has made big ground you know for for getting them to see and understand what these animals are and then I started a club I called it the adventure club because if you call it that you can get away with anything <laughs> exactly. anything it's the adventure adventure club club. Is and I was like what can I do with that anything
0: know, right?
1: and uh, you know then you're going to get the kids show up after school who really are passionate and they yeah. really do want to learn tracking you know that's right no, I did start a program that was for credit. Hey, would you like to earn high school science credit? And we'll take you tracking, you that's know, right. and we'll take you to Africa. Or we'll take you to different parts of the U.S. And, and then you can study it in your traditional way. But I want to make it fun, too. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And get credit involved. And that gets your parents on board and your administration on board. Play those
0: games. Yeah. No, yeah. that's that's yeah, there is a way to do it that makes it attractive versus and makes it desirable from an administrative or a parental yeah. overview, as opposed to something that looks more risky or prob- possibly problematic. As soon as you slap credit on there, it's like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. wow. It's going to help me get, get into a good college. So, you know, well, you can do
1: both, you know, science, science is tracking, right? The art of tracking is is well probably was the first science, so you can do it once you just really need to understand. You know that as a as a school teacher, parents are my friends; they support yeah. me. Uh, the administrators are my friends, and I need to understand where they're coming from, and I need to figure out how I can, you know, wrap that package in a way that makes them look good and supports them.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, the district wants to look good, so how can I do that and still achieve the same goals? So it really is all about understanding everybody and where they're coming from and then creating something that's going to meet the need, provide that nature education, provide that awareness, uh, expose them to tracking or whatever it is and and make it happen. And, and you can, you can make yeah. it happen.
0: Right, right. It's, un, it's like really undeniable when children come back from a program and their faces are all excited and they're talking about this experience and all these things right, and then you know, it, it becomes harder for uh, principals or superintendents or, you know, the college or teacher, whatever it is that will sometimes be resistant or reluctant. And it, I always have found that when they when the kids actually get passionate about learning, they're suddenly suddenly everybody maybe starts going like, hey, this is why we're here. And this is really fun as right, opposed right. to dealing with daily problems where it's like the struggle of what what we're trying to do. So, yeah, that's a 100 percent right right on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They want you to do it. I've never had an administrator did not want me to take them camping, mm-hmm. but they had, you know, how, how is this going to happen? Right. When, I, you know, can you do it within these parameters? Yes. That's that's the challenge. So Absolutely. Oh, we, can, we can definitely do, but and people are. So yeah.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. And, and it's nice too, that like a lot of the state parks and county parks and things like that oftentimes have like a, a group camping sites and things like that, that you can use that. Yeah, right oftentimes are kind of abandoned in some places because hardly anybody Right,
1: a lot of, <laughs>
0: so sometimes you have to go there and like trim back the poison Ivy and kind of clear the brush or whatever. But, yeah. but when you do get there, you're like, Hey, we're not going to be bothered by anybody. So we can kind of, right. you know, just have our good time and we don't have to worry about keeping the noise down at a, at a regular campsite or something. So yeah, I've used a lot of those group campsites at parks. And, oh
1: gosh. Yeah. And yeah. They're, we they're had fantastic. a, uh... A church campsite, actually, it was church-owned land. Yeah. That's not too far. That we actually reached out to them, and they let us use it for free. You know, wow, nice. Enjoy. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's awesome. Got
1: to ask. That's the hard part. You just got to ask.
0: Yeah, I. It, you know, when asking is scary. Asking is scary yes. for a lot of people. Here's me. For a long time, <laughs> I just was like, I would always be like, I'm going to sneak back in the middle of the night and go into this field and get milkweed so I can do a program. And then one day, I just went like, I could just ask them. The people just ask. <laughs> I know, right? I just throw yeah. up to this farmhouse, and I ask the person, uh-huh. say, hey, "I'm I'm doing programs for children. It, you have a lot of really cool plants on the edge of your fields. Would you mind if I pick some of those?" And they were like, "Take everything that you want. Anything you want. Just yep. if it's for kids, they're like, do it.
1: Yeah, if you can show that you're real, you're a nice person. It's for yeah. kids. People want to help.
0: <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. I, I learned that the you know just doing that and getting over my fear of you know that connection. So. Right. That could be tough, yeah. So let me, let me ask you this: like you, you so you're doing that your your tracker certification mm-hmm. uh, thing, and you're kind of moving up the ladder with that. And then how did you end up like going from Ohio and the Ohio animals to you know all of a sudden like making the jump across the pond to you know Africa and you know all those all right. the different uh i mean there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through and and people that you know and it's a whole new ball game in some ways over there maybe i don't know like
1: yeah i think i do i do go to africa every year that's been something i've been doing mm-hmm. uh, i just finished my ninth trip there so every year it is my goal to take either a group of students or adults or hey we can mix them up and yeah. go over to south africa um Little background, I am an instructor with Original Wisdom, Mm -hmm. which is owned by Chrissy Lawrence, and uh, we have an Original Wisdom team, wonderful group of people, and we all are really trying to get the tracking out there, and other skills too, because we also do bushcraft, for example. My husband, Cal, is quite the bushcraft guy, and so Original Wisdom is tracking and bushcraft and nature awareness. So when I go to South Africa, my goal there is to do tracking for mm-hmm. sure. Um, yeah. Lee Gutteridge is a part of the team and Kersey and they are both senior trackers and, I'm, and I depend on them. I don't depend on myself so much. I'm a learner. I'm still learning, but I depend on them to, you know, guide us in tracking while we're there.
0: Right. There yeah. Yeah. Go I
1: ahead. First going there. Yeah, I'm just kind of just interrupt me because I'm, I'm remembering now. My first journey there um, was where I met Percy Lawrence was in the middle of the Timbavati in, in the bush, and mm-hmm. she was working on her PhD research. And I was there for that first time, kind of scoping out, bringing students the next year for the first time. I wanted to go over there and make sure, you know, they weren't going to die. <laughs> I knew what I was getting myself it's into. A real the place bush. and everything. yeah. So we were going over, I was there and met her and realized what tracking could be and started that journey and tracking is tracking. So if you're tracking here in the U S and taking an eval, and you have learned that there are certain patterns you can look for in canines, if mm-hmm. it's a domestic dog or a red Fox or a coyote or a wolf, they have four toes. They have an oval shape. They usually show their claws in their tracks. When you go over there and you look at wild dog tracks, guess what? You look at it and you're like, wow, that kind of looks like a coyote track. It carries a canine is a canine. A a cat, if you look at a domestic cat track and you go over there and you look at your lion track, that is a huge domestic cat track, right? You're going to see the same morphology in that track. So if you are looking to expand your tracking from the United States, for example, to South Africa, you're carrying that knowledge and that's going to assist you.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: you know, there's more. Um, and I, I really think that goes back to that forced educator in me. Right. I want you to track why. Well, I want you to read the stories. Why? Because if you read the stories of the earth, it'll blow your mind. What's happening out there. Why is that a, important, you know, well, so what? So I read the stories. If you know what's happening out there, you know, what's happening in your backyard. Why? You know, I keep going, going deeper. Why is that important? Because you are a part of what's happening in your backyard. Mm
0: -hmm. You
1: are a part of nature and our ecosystem, and you are part of the story. And if we're going to save this planet, if we're going to remember our role as caretakers if we are going to you know we have a passion I've never met a kid who didn't want to save the world and make a difference and save animals or whatever but if you're going to do it the only way you can do it is to be aware of the stories and the more than human world that's happening around you so where does that take us back to yeah. track yeah
0: yeah that's yeah why we
1: that's Africa. yeah I want to, I want to blow their minds I want them to see um a leopard. I want them to track a rhino and uh, that's what we did this summer. You know, I was on lion trails and I was on a, a rhino trail and we followed it into the bush and I'm sitting there looking and we're, we're trying to figure out and I'm with Lee and he and I are looking quietly and we're like moving along. And here's this little tiny rhino track. And this little calf is like, is it playing? Is it running? Did it hear us? And we're sneaking through the bush and I'm, and we're, we're hiding and we're looking at the ground and we raise our heads up <laughs> and on the oh other side of the bush were three rhinos. They were right there. And one is sleeping and the other one's standing and we look at each other and there is nothing like it in the world. And I'll tell you, I'm into addicting people to those moments.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Wow. And it can be here in the United States when you see a fawn sleeping on the ground. It can be in mm-hmm. Africa where we're following those trails. I don't care where it is. It can be a sun setting and the most scenic view you've ever seen. But if I can make you fall in love with the earth through tracking or whatever it is, then yeah. you'll never be the same. Yeah. And then you're going to be connected. And then you're going to, you're going to make a difference. That's and right. That's, that's what we do.
0: Right. That. Yeah. It's like a pivotal moment when, everything sort of changes right you know in your life right. so you when did you
1: heart. fall in love ricardo when right. did you fall in love with the earth I, mean, right. I bet you have more than one moment right
0: yeah a couple <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> just 100%. a couple yeah sure.
0: yeah no it's true it's like all of a sudden everything changes and yeah. and yeah. then you
1: want more right? i remember
0: i remember learning uh with tom brown where we went out and uh it was like a field that we went behind the barn at the tracker school and it's, you know, in New Jersey. So it's, you know, the Northeast, and it's just this typical barn covered in Ivy, you know, and then, you know, a feel abandoned field in the back and the grass is real high. And then it's kind of this long grass that kind of falls over. And I was out there in November, we all went out there for, I don't know, an hour and he was like trying to help us understand like how much of nature was everywhere and we just like lifted up the the grass and you could see these trails of all the the little voles and mice
1: oh, trails right yeah, all
0: City. yeah all through the grass and there was like you could see little nests and you could see like little rooms where they were <laughs> where they went to the bathroom you know like their mm-hmm. toilet facility yeah, and right. you could see these trails and then I remembered I remembered having seen something that said uh you know a lot of hawks can see in in the ultraviolet spectrum or something yeah. and that they could actually see the pee. Yeah, the urine. Shows up. Yeah, the urine trail shows up like purple or something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I remember like sitting there next to a bush, like just kind of very quietly looking. And then I, I looked up and I saw like a, I don't know if it was a sparrowhawk or, you know, Merlin or something. And it was just sort of fluttering over me. And I was like, oh, man, you know, this... This is like, I'm actually seeing the things that I was reading about and excited about. And then, and then I got into a van and we drove away and, and then everywhere I went, I saw those, you know, those same grassy areas on the sides of the roads, Uh on the side of the highway, on the side, I'm behind someone's house. Like there's a million places where it's all grown up and it just hit me like, these animals are every, there must be millions of voles. And, and, and the, and there's so much, for, this is the supermarket for a fox. This is the supermarket for those animals. And I just, my whole world just like went almost like a, it was like a fractal experience of like, you know, I can almost hear the clicking and clacking of this expansion of like, okay, there's an entire universe here that I did not really get. I understood it intellectually, but not, you know, it didn't impact me in that same way
1: right wow that's, yeah, that's beautiful. It's amazing yep. it is it's amazing uh the planet what a planet I say that all the time what a planet right. and right. I want everybody you know to have a chance to realize that they're part of it and there's so much out there to yeah. find and discover uh and that's why our job is so cool right
0: yeah and we're in there doing it yeah.
1: yeah we're in there doing it and we're making a huge difference and it, it's really cool too because I've been I'm old enough now, right? I'm old now. And I look back at kids that I I met decades ago and I still get those letters. I still get those emails, you know, Mm -hmm. and they don't remember what I taught, you know, the Krebs cycle. What they remember is, do you remember you used to have us do sit spots? You know, I still do it. And it changed my life. You know, those are the type of emails that you get.
0: Yeah. It's, it's interesting, you know, because like everyone is different in the way that they get those peak experiences, those moments, you know, for, for us, a lot of times I would think like, okay, this was a huge thing for me. And then I'll do it with kids. And they're like, they're all like, you know, what do they call it? Nonplussed or whatever. They're just sort of like, okay, what are we doing out here again? Why are we here? And, uh, and and then other times, you know, it's like just that feeling of, Hey, we're all sitting around uh, chewing on, you know, roasted cattail, you know, uh, right. or something by the fire and the stars are out and there's this like nice smell and people are all just having a good time. And that's a peak moment or, or someone's playing it, we're playing a game and they're like sneaking up on each other. And that's a, peak. so it's so important. I've, I've always thought like to have this variety of experiences so that people can kind of plug in and have something you know, regardless, like, you know, the, in other words, if I line everybody up like bowling and then try to knock them down, there's always going to be like three pins that just don't get it. And you're like, right, OK,
1: exactly. So That's humbling. They, Very humbling. they
0: get something else, you know, like, yeah, 100 percent.
1: Yeah, they they taught me that Like they, kids. They're great kids and adults both. I always you go out and you think you're going to do something. I remember I was working with uh, a Girl Scout troop. And I had all these ideas, what I was going to do for this night activity. And what they taught me was they weren't ready for what I had planned. Most of them had never been in the dark. And the darkness itself was going to be the teacher that night, not my activity. And it, it ended up being, I'd be, I was like, okay. I just kind of dropped my agenda and I was like, you see those trees? There was like this row of trees and it was really dark. And I said, I'm going to walk all the way to the end and stand at the other end. Mm-hmm. And then when I give you the signal, you know, with alcohol or whatever I was doing, one person needs to walk and not run, walk by themselves the whole distance. Right. And then when they came through, I would hoot for the other person and they would go lay on the hill and just look at the stars. mm mm-hmm. Really difficult. Right. Really life changing. Right. Right, right. By the time we all walked through and laid on the hill and looked at the stars, the troop leader was crying. Right. Crying. And I'm like, scratch my head. Uh, She'd never done that. She'd never walked in the dark. She was afraid of the dark. And the kids had never just laid on their backs and looked at the stars. So meeting them where they are and realizing that the earth is the real teacher here. I'm just kind of like maybe at the best opening the door and getting out of the way, Um, allowing them to, to experience those moments. That's, that's pretty important stuff.
0: Yeah, it's true that, that sometimes we don't have to work quite so hard, right? Nature does like 80% of the lifting for us. So half of it is just getting them there in, in the vicinity. And then, and That's the hard part like right there. Sometimes, Yeah. Sometimes you have to kind of keep their minds occupied so that their fear doesn't get too intense or their discomfort and anxiety. Right. And then and then sort of give them a little shift or something like that. Like you said, just being out there is is a huge, huge help. So what a what a great a gift to give them. And what a great moment. You know, and sometimes though the children give us the moments. Those I had the same thing. We were on a walk in the woods. And we were walking, and all of a sudden, we saw this big section of moss in this wetland Hmm. with all these hemlock trees. And one of the one of the girls ran over and went, "This is moss." And she laid down on it. And we looked, and then everybody said, "Let's all lay down on this moss." And we looked up, and you could just see just enough movement in the hemlock trees where the whole thing looked like it was breathing or swaying. Right. It was it was mesmerizing, and we probably only sat there for about fifteen minutes, ten minutes, but. It was something that it, every every child, you know, these are teenagers. Everyone was just visibly affected by it. Like you could see that they really were not sure what what just happened, uh-huh. and we didn't really talk about it. And then it was like later at night around the campfire, they were like, "Oh yeah, this happened," and uh, and they would just got real. Their voice got really rever. And they were like talking about it as if it was like a sacred experience. And I, I was just like, was oh program. my gosh. And and I hadn't planned to do that. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that somebody told us, told me, hey, Rick, get out of your head for a minute. Just lay down and just see what's going on here. And mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really, I love, I love how that whole dynamic can happen. That's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful.
1: I'm going to do that. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: I mean, I mean, sometimes I've done that where the kids are like laying, <laughs> it's like in the winter or something and they're just looking up they're going like what are we doing here and what's for dinner like they were just kind of like okay. <laughs> so it's like it's strange how it doesn't always work but it's oh, true it sometimes fun. it
1: works and sometimes <laughs> you just move on right
0: that's right so let me ask I have to ask you uh-huh. like so when you and Lee were like sitting there behind the bush and you see the uh-huh. rhinos, like did you look at each other and also go like uh-huh. this could be our last moment on <laughs> <laughs>
1: It was awesome. Uh, we had been trailing these rhinos for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you do this. You have a group behind you. I was my turn to be on point, so I had, I had been on point trailing the rhinos for at least an hour or two. I don't, I don't remember actually. And you learn so much as you go along, you know, uh, about trailing and and freshness of the trail. And I'm looking for, you know, a little a little toe here, or maybe the toe dragged across the soapstone in the soil and left some powder. You know, you can touch it and. We, we knew we were close. You know, we had been trailing the bull and then there was the calf and then there was the mom and, and we knew that, okay, they're probably traveling in a group. And it's so important to wear clothing that doesn't make noise and not to talk and use hand signals, you know, and follow right along. And we were both surprised. We both were trying to figure out, you know, what's happening here and why is this calf doing what it is? And she playing and going around the bush and following the, the mom's tracks and, you know, if we hadn't been so quiet, if we hadn't been moving so silently, if the wind direction hadn't been just right, we'd never gotten that close. They would have run. But when you have that moment and when we we did, and when we both looked up and then we turned to the left and we could see them through the brush, it's one of the most powerful feelings of being alive and humbling to be in the presence of such an amazing creature who is going extinct, right? Who my children and my grandchildren may not get to see and to have that moment. And you feel, I don't know about other people, but I feel this fierce desire to educate and protect and to love deeply Mm -hmm. this animal in that moment. And he and I just kind of looked at each other and we just enjoyed the moment.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then he used hand signals and, basically follow me. And then he slowly and quietly started to move out, you know, got low with him and we moved out. And then after a very, very short distance, he switched behind me, which was so responsible of him, wasn't it? To keep himself between us. And then we worked our way out and then walked back to the group. And it was really cool because you know, the rhinos didn't really, I think the one knew something was up and didn't catch our scent. We were able to bring the group back and we didn't get as close as that, but everybody in the group got to, you know, be at a spot where they could see through the brush. Hey, those are rhinos. And, yeah. and that's what you want to be able to do and do it safely and, uh, and then be able to stalk out and not disturb their day. That's, that's when it's the best that's yeah. tracking at its best
0: yeah that's really nice yeah you probably know that they're smart enough to know you're there but you're not obviously being a threat or they can sense if they yeah. had
1: gotten one whiff of us off they would have gone or worse off they yeah. would have come right yes. so, yeah you, know, I mean, you can't do that without a lot of knowledge and lee you know it's the senior guide who, who can do those things with us and has 30 years plus knowledge in the bush so that's right I was worried but uh yeah, it was a great moment. It's a wonderful moment to do things like that. And I, I have to admit, I keep going back.
0: <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's an adrenaline rush and, and and everything, and yet so much more. So just the
1: learning, right? The learning. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well, I know um, I wanted to just ask you a little bit about bringing what that experience is like, you know, like bringing some of these nature experiences into your classroom or your school or you know, I know you had mentioned something about creating this, like a naturalist type program within your school. And I know that that probably is something a lot of teachers and other educators could really benefit from. Is there anything that you might feel like you'd want to share about just that experience? Because I know it's not always easy. You know, it's sort of like sometimes there's teachers that are resistant. Like I said, you have to jump through certain hoops, you have certain parameters you have to follow. How how has that experience been for you?
1: Yeah, that's that's the journey itself. I'm a big believer, and I don't keep my life compartmentalized. So if I'm a forest educator in the summer and I'm teaching bow drill, well, how do I fit bow drill back into the public school classroom? You know, right? Well, you do it by building a giant bow drill, and you do it by uh, having them discover. kinetic energy and drawing that through a bow drill experience and talking about friction and how it creates heat. And through your giant bow drill, you have your whole class, you know, moving a, a bow drill back and forth with webbing and, and uh, what used to be a two by four for a handhold and buying a plank, right. And carving it out. So there's no boundary. I don't believe that you have this life and that life. I just have my life. Right. So it's really important for me to bring that into the room, uh, flit napping all of it. So there's that. And then I did do, I did decide to see what I could do because I love traveling, I love tracking, I love doing what was done to me. My high school teachers took me to the Bahamas, taught me marine biology, and blew my mind. I swam with a dolphin. I saw the coral reef. Uh, and fish, and I realized there was a whole world out there. So I wanted to do that for my students. And I decided that I wanted to take them to Africa and do tracking.
0: Right. And <laughs> what was that meeting like? like? <laughs>
1: and, and you know, repay the favor, right? Yeah, so it was a tough journey because number one, nobody was going to let me go to Africa right away. Sure. So what I did is I decided who I wanted, I decided what I wanted to do. I wanted to have a two-week program in South Africa, high school credit, and I wanted them to get credit in science, but I knew that tracking wouldn't sell it. People don't understand tracking. There's still a lot of mythology behind it. They don't see it as a science that it is. So I needed to find out, again, it goes back to what is going to make the school look good, what is going to make my administrators happy. And at that point in time, I thought it was robotics. So, okay, I will offer a program to South Africa where students can participate in getting a half credit in science through the science of tracking. We will use our tracking skills to find rhinos. And then they're going to get a half credit in robotics. That gets people excited. They will build their own robot. And I said, I don't know how we're doing this, but you're going to build a robot. You are going to uh, be able to operate it from the vehicle because that's safe. You are going to have a camera on it. The robot is going to, you're gonna do your tracking to find the rhino trail, send your robot in. It's gonna take video and photography of the rhino and you gotta be able to see it on your iPhone wherever you are in the world, so it's live. And you're you're also gonna get a half credit in photography. You're gonna learn how to really use a good 35 millimeter camera and you're gonna be working on landscape photography as well as wildlife photography. And of course, right. the tracking ties in the whole ecosystem and all the animals that we track. And you're going to have a cyber tracker evaluation. That's your test at the end of the course. Uh the score doesn't matter. The question, the only question in the test after you're done with it, is what did you learn? Right, right. You know, so that was what I had to sell. And the and I reached out to the superintendent. I didn't tell him why. I just said, can we meet? And then I reached out to the people I wanted to be on my staff the photography teacher, a tech guy, um, a couple tech guys, actually, for the robotic piece. And sure. I needed a high school teacher for science. Yeah. And we went to the meeting as a team, and I had a PowerPoint all ready to go. And I sat the superintendent down and I went, blah, 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 for an hour. And I answered every question that I thought they would ask cost, insurance. You know, I'd done all my research. And fortunately, they loved it. So right. wouldn't let me go to Africa. I had to go to I think it was Oregon first. They wanted something the school board wanted something local first. So right. we did Oregon and Colorado. Did archaeology in Colorado. And then we finally got to to do the South Africa trip. Nice. It was stellar. It was life changing. Yeah.
0: You know, you, you know what's so interesting is that integrating this these types of experiences into our educational systems, you know, public school or, or private school. It's a lot of work. And, you know, like, like I know a lot of people that are wilderness educators and they are like, Oh, you know, I love doing it. And I like taking kids out and everything. And they'll do it as long as it's, you know, somebody is out there going like here, take my kids, you know, here's some money, do it. And, and that's easy. You know, it's like, I mean, it's, it's not because it's also hard. You still have to do the work of that. But doing what you just shared, actually doing that and making that happen—yeah,
1: it took years.
0: It's it is not a simple thing. Like it's not a one-off. It's not something where you know, oh, three parents got together and just said, "Hey, we're going to sponsor this or something." It it's really a lot of work to do it. But it's 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 potential, and and its long-term impact is is vast. And I think. You know, and and not just for the children, but I, I imagine those robotics, uh, you know, those tech people were probably pretty excited, you know, they probably made them go like, hey, this is like going to MIT or something or, right,
1: right. you know, They're like excited. we're on the edge, yeah. we're going
0: to be get, there's going to yeah. be stories written about what we're doing, because this is really cool. And I love the marriage of those, of those things, the photography, the, you know, probably the, mm-hmm. the art aspects of the photography and the technical. Right. And, you know, we're sometimes we're just so reluctant to do that, just because. Like, I know for me, I was kind of reluctant in the beginning because I was afraid of being judged by, you know, a science person or right. a historian or so. So, oh, I and I have to, to say to do that my um, I yeah. was
1: judged. I was harshly judged. I was <clears throat> ridiculed by the high school science department. Right? Who do you think you are? And teaching tracking. They had no respect and or understanding or willingness to understand what tracking was. They hadn't read Louie's book. They hadn't uh, done any themselves. They just thought it was from the movies, right? Oh, this track is two hours old. And then, you, know, sure. you know, a horse that was, you know, all, all the silliness that you see in the movies, uh, it was painful. It actually ruined some friendships for me. So, you know, it going through that journey is tough and I'm not going to camouflage that. But right. it was it's different now, you know, that's been years, and now people we all look at each other and we realize, you know, hey, and the science department chair later on, it went with us wow, and nice. realized, oh my gosh, you know, and realized <laughs> that it was it was indeed science and mm. it was indeed worthy of the credit and uh, all the hard work everybody was putting into it. But you know, if you want to do that, great. If you don't think you can, you know, then just start an adventure club. But do something. That's the takeaway. Do yes. something. Yeah. Yes. Wherever yeah, it,
0: it is true that sometimes uh, you can go into an environment where other people are stakeholders in the ed- education of children, and if you come in with something really flashy and innovative, and it gets a big, a lot of attention, it can really be hard for people who have been doing it for twenty years. And you know, begging for money, begging for resources. And all of a sudden, here's this person that waltzes in and mobilizes or, you know, does a little more presentation or whatever. And and they can you can really burn bridges that way. So I know that's one area that I, I've really tried in my, you know, over the last like decade to try to say, hey, if I'm gonna do something, I want to make sure I talk to oh yeah, the person who does 4 H in this small community. Absolutely. You know? I want to talk to the person who's at the Boys and Girls Club. I want to make sure that they know, they know me, they know what I'm doing, they know that I appreciate what they're doing, and then find ways to collaborate and help them because, you know, people are there's a ton of people working to help kids or to help you know the community, who oftentimes have been doing the same thing, working unappreciated, working you know being the unsung hero, and I've learned that boy. When you make those enemies when you make those enemies it can be really really tough and well,
1: you know, I'm gonna backtrack a little bit and say that you know things are good. Um good. it was tough I think at the time because it was tracking.
0: Yes, um, yeah.
1: And we weren't enemies they were my best friends. Sure, and sure. the department was invited to come along.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I said why don't you come and bring your daughter? Why don't you come and and anybody who wants to come can come, right? right. Because what you are already doing is fantastic because they were doing other programs that I also was a part of. Yeah. 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 But you're right. You must honor the people during the work because we're all, we're on the same team. It's That's really right. Important. And they are, they're working hard.
0: It's mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. I've, I have a lot of respect for teachers everywhere and I for what too. people are trying to do and what we're dealing with, with in terms of children and their and the struggles that they're having. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate
1: yes. everything.
0: This is, this is a great conversation. I I'm, I'm so glad that we're having this. <laughs> I don't I'm, know. Glad I'm able to share this. This is one of the reasons I hope people right now are sitting here going, wow, Ricardo was right because I made, you know, it's, it makes me feel really good talking to you because I love hearing these stories. It's it makes me excited about I this love,
1: i love the work you guys are doing and uh yeah i want to i'll probably be moving on in my life and and hopefully doing a lot more things you know like mm-hmm. i said my husband's doing bushcraft we have a place in west virginia which is kind of like an open house and anybody wants to come down and you know i want to do more of that i want to i've made my own bow i'm, I'm working on my flint napping i want to mm-hmm. do more of the bushcraft stuff i want to be more immersed in nature yeah and really enjoy helping other people you know get immersed as well and i'm i'm just looking forward to that next phase that's going to be a lot of fun
0: it's really exciting yeah, yeah. tell us tell us uh how can we get a hold of you i know that all your other contact any links you have will be in the uh, show notes but just if anybody's okay. listening
1: um basically you can get a hold of me probably the best way is through original wisdom we have a webpage but if you just email sandy S-A-N-D-Y at originalwisdom.com. That's a great way to get a hold of me. I'm doing stuff. If you want to take any tracker sign or trailing evaluations here in the Midwest, mainly Ohio, West Virginia area, I'm always holding those. Uh, we're always doing bushcraft, different things with bushcrafting here in Ohio and West Virginia as well. But then I'm always also organizing those Africa trips every year. And, uh, We're getting ready to walk out the door here today to head up to Canada. And we're going to be playing in Canada with Chris Gilmore, with Chris Outdoors. We are mentors in that program, helping people who've never hunted learn how to hunt ethically. I'm really excited about that and how to uh, use hunting as a way to feed yourself and your family, as well as, you know, getting that nature connection. So uh, we're doing a lot of
0: that as well. So busy times. It sounds like you have a very, very (laughs) full full plate. You have a full buffet of... uh, It is a
1: wonderful thing. Create your reality, right? That's kind of the philosophy.
0: That's right. Well, thank you so much for your time and for being here. I really appreciate it.
1: It is awesome to meet you. Thank you for what you're doing. And your podcast is bringing us all together. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that. So deep gratitude. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Thanks for listening to today's episode and for all the things that you do to help build a world that is connected to nature. You can get access to the bonus episodes, my forest educator, nature journals, and curriculum, as well as other useful content by subscribing to my Patreon page where you can support us at any level. You can find the link in the show notes for that and my website and social media as well. And I will see you outside.